Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see everyone that is here today. Like I said, we do wish our mothers a very happy Mother's Day. And um, I see that we've got presents made out the back there. And our Sunday school is out the back busily working on on crafts for our mothers. Amen. I'm very grateful to my mum. We were very lucky, blessed, I guess, not lucky, but blessed to be able to spend um, quite a bit of time with them over the last few weeks. And, and uh, not the last few weeks, it was a month ago now they left but um we missed them and they're all back home for those of you who have been asking me they're back home safely and out of quarantine so they're doing well amen we are going to start a new series this morning we're going to be talking about who's to blame we're going to be talking about how we all engage in the blame game turn to the person next to you say the blame game the blame game amen and we often find that we are always blaming others. We find some reason, some cause to blame others. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking this and having a look at this and talking about this topic, who's to blame. And our, our key scripture, the world's most famous blame story, is found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. And uh, the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat. Blame. Right? Adam is blaming Eve. Adam is blaming God. Adam is blaming everybody. Except himself. The blame game. I want to start this morning by telling you the story of a woman by the name of Liz. This is a true story. And uh, so I'm going to just kind of read this story because I think it, it loses the impact if I just read it from memory. But, you know, Liz grew up in a bad environment a very bad environment her parents were both drug addicts so the environment that she grew up in with a little girl was a very a drug infested environment and the possibility of Liz ever making anything of her life seemed to be really really remote seemed to be really really remote and uh, in uh, a book written about her life by a man called Robert Peterson he writes he writes things like about his life and he says this, that one day when the, the couple were starving, the kids would do things like suck on ice cubes for dinner because that's all they could eat. There was no food in the house. They said Liz told him of a time where him, her and her sister had to split a tube of toothpaste for dinner because that's literally all there was in the house. The parents had you know, smoked everything else or shot up everything else and sold everything else. There was nothing in the house. You know, Liz remembers her mom stealing the money that had been put aside for Liz's birthday present and selling the television set and a turkey that was in the fridge for lunch just to buy her next hit of cocaine. Liz recalls that when she would go to school, she was infested with lice. She was scruffy and she smelt funny. And all the other kids began to bully her. And because of that, Liz dropped out of school. Her parents would often just sleep for days in drug-induced stupors, but Liz would then go out on the streets as a, as a young girl, eight, nine years old. She was living on the streets of New York City, possibly one of the meanest cities in the world if you're out in the cold. And, and Liz's mother would often tell her, one day, Liz, life is going to be better. But Liz says that she could not remember how many days had gone past 
as she would nurse her mother on a drug high in a lice field run down flat. Liz remembers the day when her mother told her that she had been infected with HIV and was now AIDS positive because her mother had been sharing drug needles with other people and so she contracted AIDS and it didn't take too long after that her mother died and was buried in a donated wooden box. Her dad, who was very intelligent but also on drugs, couldn't pay the rent and so he moved into a homeless shelter by himself and his daughter Liz was out on the streets permanently by herself. She fed herself by shoplifting food. She was a shoplifter. And another thing that Liz did was she also shoplifted self-help books. She shoplifted books on leadership and things like that because she would always remember how her mother had said one day she would fix her life. And so reading one of these books that Liz had stolen, she decided, I am going to fix my life and fix it she did and we'll catch up with Liz at the end of this session this morning but her story is a bit of an anomaly most people who are faced with those kind of hardships and those kind of circumstances in life do not rise above the challenges that that kind of upbringing will bring many people allow such family dynamics to limit their potential but As we are going to explore today, we will see that that is not often the case. It doesn't have to be that way. Even though it's like that way a lot, it does not have to be that way. Regardless of what challenges we might find within the family dynamics, we can rise above the challenges that we are faced with. You and I can be all that God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. And so to reach our full potential, as we begin to unpack this, the first thing we have to do, we're going to be talking about this for four weeks, not just the family. Next week, we're going to talk about the church. Next week, we're going to talk about others. But today, we're talking about family. And the first thing that we have to do, if we want to move beyond this, if we want to reach our full potential, we have to learn to stop blaming our family. And the story that we've got here, possibly the most famous story of blaming one another, and also perhaps the most famous story of a mess up and a major blunder and yet of course it's also a story of hope because we know that within this story there was the promise of the Messiah who was to come amen but we can identify the precise moment when everything fell apart in the garden until that fateful moment everything was perfect everything was perfect in every single way it was paradise in every single way the garden of Eden was created by God the Bible says that it consists of every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food that's Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9 this was the land where men man the first man and the first woman lived and it was a paradise like nothing we have ever experienced amen on this life but we all know the story that it ended on that day paradise The perfect place where man and woman, who were also perfect and without sin until the fall, with the perfect job in the perfect environment, the fall happened. Because God, the Creator, specified that there was one tree that they were not to eat the fruit of. And we know that they went and they ate 
the fruit, amen, of all the other trees they could eat of freely, God had told them. As much as you want. Help yourself. It's a smorgasbord of absolutely everything you want. But that one tree. I don't want you to eat from that one tree. And the story of the fall of humanity is quite commonly known. Eve ate of the forbidden fruit from the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil, sorry, and gave some of that fruit to Adam. And we know that Adam also ate of it. And because of this, Adam and Eve were banished from living in the garden. In contrast, to a life of tranquility living outside of paradise proved to be quite difficult. And this was the result of Adam and Eve's sin. But see, that's not all. You know, because as tragic as it was for Adam and Eve, Romans 5 and 12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See, not only was Adam and Eve affected, but, and not only was their children affected, but every generation since that time up until today has been affected by Adam and Eve's decision to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And it has affected all of our lives from that moment on. Amen? But you and I, Today, we must be careful not to do as Adam and Eve did, right? Because to do what they did is to lessen our chances of breaking free, to lessen our chances of obtaining the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for our life, amen? Not only must we strive to live a life of obedience, but we must refrain from doing what Adam and Eve did when they had eaten of the fruit of of the tree, knowledge of good and evil. right? Because when God asked, Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The answer should have been, Yes. But that's not what Adam said. No, no, no. See, Adam said, The woman which you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And so then God turns to the woman. What have you done? What's the woman do? The woman should say, yes, I took of the tree. I ate it. I gave it to Adam. What's she say? The serpent made me do it. What's she doing? Blaming somebody else. Blaming somebody else. You see, Adam and Eve did not lie to God about what they did, but they failed to take responsibility for it. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and, and even almost amusingly, Adam seemed to blame God. Adam's like, God, this woman that you gave me, she made me do it. If you hadn't, if you hadn't done, if you hadn't given me her, give me a better one. I wouldn't have done it, God. This is your fault. Blaming. Hello? Blaming. You see. Adam and Eve blaming each other offers us a lesson on what we should not do. See, Adam and Eve sought to blame somebody else. They wanted to be the victims of somebody else's wrongdoing as opposed to accepting responsibility for their own actions. And at the root, deflecting responsibility was a blatant attempt 
to ignore their need to acknowledge that they had sinned against God. You with me so far? Amen. Blaming, it has been said, is the fine art of making others responsible for all the difficult things that we go through in life. And it almost seems that humanity has refined what Adam and Eve started. Not only are we good at deflecting responsibility by blaming other people, but our society offers support for that. What? You were in a car accident? Well, you should sue that person for your back injury. And Yeah, you had a wrist injury before the accident, but let's just shift that over to them and let them pay for that as well. And we're going to blame, blame, blame everybody. It's everybody else's fault. It's not yours. Hello? Right? At some point, we've all done it. And it's highly likely that we all can still do it from time to time. We blame others because we live in an environment where it is accepted. And here's why. We blame others because Adam and Eve do it, did it because it is in our DNA. It is in our nature to find somebody else to blame for the problems that we are going through. This is not my fault. This is somebody else's fault. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And we blame blank. Fill in the blank. Hello? Amen? Adam and Eve's decision to partake of that which was forbidden impacted their lives in a major way. But not only did it impact their lives, it also impacted the lives of their children. Amen? Instead of growing up in a beautiful environment, they grew up in a harsh environment. A wilderness environment where they had to work hard instead of harmony. Life was filled with fragmentation. And so it is today. When we think about our families, in many ways we have all been impacted by our families. Amen. Negative generational patterns. They are cycles of destructive behavior and thinking. They are passed from one generation to the next generation, to the next generation. Mums and dads are affected by the things that their mums and dads did. And they pass them on to their kids, who then pass it on to, to their kids. And so on, and so on, and so on it goes. Amen. But see, the big idea in all of this lesson that we're talking about is that because Jesus Christ took our blame, we must assume responsibility for our choices and refuse to blame our heritage for our disobedience. See, it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to be bound by this generational passing on of bad behaviors and bad decisions. Generational patterns can be broken. But for this to happen, we must first cease blaming the previous generation. You have got to stop blaming your mama, stop blaming your daddy, stop blaming your grandparents about everything that's going on. Amen. The blame game does not help you move forward. Amen. It does not help you move forward. The blame game is counterproductive to what God wants to accomplish in our lives. So the question then is, why are we so quick? To blame someone else. Why do we not accept responsibility? Why are we so quick to pass the buck? There's a few reasons why we are so quick to play the blame game. And the first one is blaming others is easy. It's easy. It's easy to blame others. Amen? 
when we hold ourselves accountable for the decisions that we have made, it means that we are responsible. And that means that nasty W word comes into it, hard work. Because all of a sudden, we are not just blaming others and shifting the responsibility to them, but we're saying, no, I've got to work on myself. I've got to correct some things in my life. I'm not going to blame anyone else. It's easy that way. But it's hard to take responsibility and begin to say, okay, I need to start making some right decisions despite what's going on. Hello? That's one reason why it's easy. Here's another one. Blaming others is a defensive maneuver. Amen? You see, we resist the notion that we are responsible for the pain that we have caused others because to do so would be to heap more pain on ourselves. We don't want to feel guilty. We don't want to endure stress. We don't want to experience anxiety or perhaps we think that we couldn't handle such things. And so rather than accept responsibility, it's far easier just to pass the responsibility on to somebody else. This is not my fault. This is somebody else's fault. Amen? Here's another reason. Blaming others protects our... Ooh, this is a nasty word. Everyone tighten your seatbelts. Blaming others protects our self-righteousness. Ooh, that hurt. It makes us feel important. When we blame others, it makes us feel as though we are the good person. Clearly, the other person is the bad person not me, is how we would think. Admitting that we are responsible means we are no longer justified in our thoughts and our behaviors and in our mindsets. When we accept responsibility, we can no longer say, I was right and they were wrong. Here's another reason why it's so easy to play the blame game. Blaming others means that we don't have to deal with confrontation. Many people dislike confrontation. It's a true story. A lot of people do not like confrontation, especially with those who blame a lot. People who are busy blaming others. This is not my problem. That's not my problem. This happened to me because of that person and this is their fault. People like that don't like confrontation. Learning how and when to confront others in love requires growth and requires submission to the Spirit of God. Amen? And like I said previously, personal growth is hard work. That's why it's just easy to blame others. And finally, last reason, blaming others makes us feel good. Blaming others makes us feel good. No doubt there are many reasons why we blame others. But you know when you blame someone else, you know what happens? People find sympathetic allies. Looking for someone I can pick on. Who can I pick on? Let's pick on Brother Stan and Brother Diddy. Oh, Brother Stan. Brother Diddy's just so mean to me. Do you know he hit me? I mean, but he hit me. Oh, that's so terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. What am I doing? I'm causing Brother Stan to now not like Brother Diddy. He punched his pastor. Hello? 
right? But that makes me feel good because this one is agreeing with my evaluation of the person I'm blaming, right? And this is what we do, right? And so it makes us feel good. There are many reasons why we blame others rather than accepting responsibility. But here's the thing. We have to learn to move forward. And we cannot move forward if we are blaming others. Now, let me just quickly add a little proviso here. Right? There are some things that happen to people, children and things like that, that are absolutely not their fault. Right? Horrible things happen sometimes to kids. And sometimes in families and stuff where, you know, it's beyond your ability to stop it. Okay? And so we acknowledge that. But here's the thing. You have to acknowledge that as well. But what do I mean by that? Here, there's, there's a truism that hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that before? Hurt people hurt people. Do you want to just... Oh, it's brother. Okay, cool. Hurt people hurt people. And here's the thing. You might have been hurt when you were a child or something like that, and you got no control over that. But you know what happens is you turn around and you hurt other people as well. And you've got to accept responsibility for that. So hang on, no, no, I'm, just because I was hurt when I was a child, I'm not going to hurt my kids in return. See, because, you know, and it's important because, you know, you, you're certainly not saying a child should accept responsibility for getting beaten or something like that. Right? But at the same time, when they are adults, right, they need to accept responsibility that these things happened in their life but i'm not going to allow it to affect my life moving forward amen okay and i just lost my place on my notes just like that oh dear jesus hit one button on my ipad and whoosh off i've gone 400 pages into the future okay here we go Here is the thing. To break the cycle, we have to take responsibility for the decisions that we make. I'm going to say it again. To break the cycle, we must take responsibility for the decisions that we make. I know some bad things happened in your childhood. I get it. right? But we have to take responsibility that we are now adults and how we treat others as a result of us not being as a result of us wanting to blame others amen we've got to learn to take responsibility for that there's also one other point i just want to quickly make uh, a, a newspaper writer writes a parenting column a guy by the name of john rosewood he said this taking responsibility for something and self blame are horses of two entirely different colors okay so the former is empowering, the latter is paralyzing. It's very important here that by taking responsibility for something, you're not blaming yourself, right? So instead of blaming someone else, like, you know, let's, let's say Brother Stan and I get into an argument, right? Blaming Brother Stan would be, oh, Brother Stan, he's just a useless fellow. What's he doing? He doesn't know anything. God, he's so stupid, right? That's blaming him. Blaming myself would be, oh, I'm useless. I'm hopeless, I deserve to be spoken to like that. I'm such a moron. That's blaming yourself. And that's not right either. But it's taking responsibility and saying, well, hang on. What did I say that made Brother Stan want to talk to me like that? Right? There's a difference. Right? I want to make sure you get that. Okay, let's move on. If we do not end the blame game, we will start to lose some things. And some very important things. And that is our fault. 
not somebody else's. Here, here is a few of the things that we will lose. First of all, we will lose healthy relationships when we blame others. Blaming others is a form of putting others down and that destroys relationships. It does not build them up. Blaming others and healthy communication are contrary to each other. For relationships to survive and for relationships to thrive, there must be healthy communication. Therefore, blaming others has to go. It cannot remain. Because if we continue to blame others, we will lose all ability to achieve healthy relationships. Second thing, if we blame others, we will lose our ability to influence others positively. Amen? Trust. Everyone say trust. Trust is the foundation to healthy relationships. And healthy relationships are built on good communication. If we blame others, we are resorting to the poorest of communication patterns. And this will erode trust. And once trust is gone, we lose our ability to influence in a positive manner. This is why some parents lose their ability to influence their children in a positive manner. Blaming others is destructive. It destroys relationships between families, between spouses, between parents and children. Amen. And perhaps most importantly, this is probably the most important point. The other thing we lose if we do not stop blaming others and blaming family, we will lose the power to change. We will lose the power to change. Blaming others rends us powerless. This is what happened to Adam. Because he failed to take responsibility for what he had done, he lost his power to change. He said it's Eve's fault. And if it was Eve's fault, he holds no responsibility for it and no power to be able to change it or no power to do anything about it. Amen. Considering that, when we blame others, we lose the power to change. When we turn around and go, well, that's not my fault, that's their fault. That means they have to fix it. You can't fix it. You've given them the responsibility. You've given them the power. You can't change yourself. Amen. Considering all that we lose when we blame others, why do we continue to blame people? Why do we continue to blame our families? Ultimately, I think blaming others is about a diversion. It is about diverting attention away from what we have done. This is why Adam blamed Eve. Right? He was diverting attention. He's trying to divert God's attention. Said, don't look at me, God. Look at Eve. Don't, don't look at my life. My life's, you know, yeah, I made a mistake, but don't worry about that. Just talk to Eve first. It's her fault. She did this. Amen? He was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was guilty. And so he tried to shift the focus onto Eve. See, this is why we blame others. Ultimately, we don't want the attention on ourselves. We don't want to take responsibility for our failures. We don't want to take responsibility for our shortcomings. Shortcomings, rather. We don't want to focus on our own issues. Blaming others diverts attention away from us and helps us to avoid responsibility. But 
by making everybody else responsible, you and I become powerless. If everybody else is at fault and we do not bear any responsibility for what we did, then we do not have the power to change anything in our life. We have become powerless if we continue to blame others. Let's suppose for a moment that you and I grew up in a house like Liz, the lady whose story I told you at the beginning of today's session, with abusive parents, alcohol, drugs, poverty, homelessness. And maybe let's add in a few things because we don't know all of her life, but let's add in a few other things. Perhaps she was beaten, perhaps taken advantage of, and so on. Now, many years later, we are all grown. We have kids of our own, but all is not well. We're verbally abusive towards our family members. We're angry, have a temper. Our marriage isn't doing well. We're coping to struggle. We're, we're struggling to cope, rather, with all the different facets of our life. But if we turn around and blame, oh, well, that's my childhood. That's why I'm like this. It's my mom and dad's fault if they weren't drug addicts. They didn't kick me out and leave me on the street. I wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't have this problem, right? Let's blame them. But if we do that, we have lost all ability to change. And we give that power then to our kids. And it's up to them to make a decision if they want to change their lives. And so the generation thing just keeps on going. But what would happen, I wonder, if instead of blaming others, we acknowledge what had happened. We acknowledge that that was our upbringing. We could then go to God and say, Lord, I'm making a mess of my life. I'm not doing a good job. I've been wrong in the way that I've treated others. I've been wrong in the way that I've spoken with others. I've been wrong in the way that I have acted. My thoughts have not all been as I sh they should have been. So, Lord, please forgive me. Please help me to change. What do you think God's response to that would be? Remember, He's our loving Father, right? God would turn around and say, of course I forgive you. I want to help you. Right? See, that's the difference. Because when we turn around and go, well, this is my family's fault. Right? God can't help us. Because we've taken no responsibility. It's not our problem. It's their problem. Instead, when we take responsibility like that, right? Do you get the point this morning? When we blame others, we lose our ability to change. By refusing to blame others, we are taking the first step in our growth, right? Because God has promised that He will help us if we learn to take responsibility for our choices and our decisions and the actions that we take amen amen let's finish up with the story of liz this morning i'll tell you what happened to the rest of her life it's quite an amazing story despite the challenges that she faced as a child growing up homeless growing up with drugged out parents growing up with both parents ended up having aids both the parents ended up passing away of it liz made something out of her life here's the rest of her story as told by um oh the guy who wrote it i can't remember his name now but he wrote this, at the age of 17, 
right? This school dropout was hopelessly behind. She was miles behind everybody else her age, but she came up with this audacious plan to be able to finish high school in two years. And she did it by doing a year every semester. So semester is two terms. So every two terms, she did a year's worth of work. She basically went to school as a full-time job at the age of 17. Not only did she accomplish that task with that kind of workload, but Liz was so motivated. She made straight A's on every single class that she took as she finished high school. Amen. Not only did she do that, but she had put mentors in her life, people who would encourage her and instruct her. And one of her mentors took her to Harvard College. Now, for those of you who don't know, Harvard is like one of the most prestigious universities in America. I mean, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a degree at Harvard. I mean, it's so hard to get into, and you've got to be super smart and all these kinds of things to get into Harvard, right? But she went to Harvard for a visit, and she set her sights on going into Harvard. I want to get into Harvard. Yes, I was homeless. Yes, my parents died when I was young. Yes, I was behind in my schoolwork. Yes, I was bullied. Yes, I went to school with lice all over my body because of how I was brought up. Yes, you know, I had no money. I lived on the street. Yes, I was a thief. But I want to go to Harvard. And I'm going to do it. Amen? Her mother often said that one day life was going to be better. And that day came for Liz when someone gave her a scholarship to pay for Harvard. And that's one thing, actually getting paid to paid at Harvard so you could go. But then there's the actual study and actual working. And, you know, can you imagine, just think for a moment, the kind of people who would attend Harvard. I'm talking like, you know, the real rich people, the famous people, the people with lots and lots of money. And here's this homeless girl right, who grew up with drug-riddled parents. But she worked hard. And she studied hard and she graduated from Harvard, amen. And she went from living on the streets to graduating from one of the greatest colleges in the world, one of the greatest universities in the world. Her story is amazing. She's once upon a time shoplifter, amen. She avoided the trap of blaming others. See, Liz could have spent her whole life going, well, yeah, I'm on the streets. That's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. And here's the thing. Technically, she's right. right? We, we said that before. Right? Bad things happen sometimes. But she took responsibility for her choices moving forward. I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to work hard. This is what I'm going to do for my life. Amen. And so she changed her life. Amen. She wrote a book became a New York Times top seller. Her, movie, her life was made into a movie, made a movie about her life. And today she's married with two children. And she regularly helps out with other homeless kids now in New York. You know, and she, she finds inspiration in a note that her dad gave her. Just before he died of AIDS, he wrote this. He said, Lizzie, I left my dreams behind a long time ago. Now they are safe with you. My encouragement for you today as we get ready to wrap up, let's all stand. My encouragement for you today is do not succumb to the temptation of thinking that your family of origin controls your future. God controls your future. I'm going to say that again. God controls your future.
God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it doesn't matter what kind of upbringing you've got. You can fulfill God's plan for your life if you take responsibility for the decisions you make rather than just going, oh, it's my family's fault I'm like this. Amen. God is in control of your future. God is in control of your life. Don't blame your family. You, you can be better than your family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for today, Lord Jesus. This, this is something, Lord, that's very practical. Something that we've all struggled with from time to time, Lord God. And, and I know even in my life I've struggled with it sometimes, Jesus, where we blame our families for things that have happened, Lord. But, but perhaps, God, we just need to learn to go, you know what? Yeah, that's happened. I acknowledge it, but I refuse to lay the blame for this at the feet of my parents, at the feet of my grandparents, at the feet of my heritage. Nah, I'm going to take responsibility and I am going to live my life with purpose and conviction and follow the path and the plan that you have laid out for me. Lord, help us, God, I pray, to not engage in the blame game, Lord, but to be willing to do the hard work. Lord, surrender to your spirit to allow it to work in our life, Lord God. Lord, help us, Lord God, I pray, to stop blaming others, Lord, when we can just take responsibility for our decisions and our actions and grow and move on, Lord God, and follow the path, the plan you have for us, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. We've got a few minutes break. We'll have to start our main service about 11. If you didn't go for as long, yeah, you can kill that if you still go.